Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. Frederick St. Laurent was our first guest on our podcast, and we're incredibly happy to welcome him back. Not only is he our judge community representative in Canada, but he was also the head judge for our national championship earlier this month. Welcome back, Fred. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Um, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, I'm doing good too. Fred is joining us at a very late hour for himself, and we we do appreciate that very much. (laughs) Even the two-hour time difference between us seems like a lot some days. Uh, But yeah, I was uh, I was listening to our previous interview, and even though it was like five or six months ago, it definitely holds up. So we had so much left to discuss even then, and now so much has happened. Yeah, how how have things been? Uh, things been quite busy, actually, uh, like both in real life with work uh, and with Flesh and Blood with uh, yeah, nationals, a bunch of uh, premier events uh, abroad, uh, even more events coming, um, namely uh, Dallas, uh, end of October, and uh, Barcelona also for the Worlds. Uh, I'm going to be there. So, nice. uh, yeah, getting uh, getting ready, uh, planning things with other players, uh, you know, trying to make sure that the the whole trip uh, we can actually like you know share rooms, Airbnbs, uh, you know, if we can uh, actually be there together, like to enjoy the event, enjoy the the whole place, and also you know say, save a bit and make sure that you know save on the expenses, basically. Yeah, how do you find time for all of this? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I try to find a time. I mean, um, usually, u- usually it's more of a just you know managing uh, manage, managing my time uh, with work. Uh, it's usually fine. I can just take day off. So I just you know do some uh, overtime. Uh, just pile up the uh, extra hours, and then nice, I can yeah. take a couple of days off. So it's not really costing needed, you so. your your vacation time. Oh no, no. Oh, okay, good. And in other accolades, I mean, besides all of these things, you were also nominated as the Judge of the Month on Judge Hub, and I will definitely link everyone to this article, which everyone should read. <laughs> how did that happen, Fred? Like, how's that nomination process? I think it was in Baltimore. Uh, I, I think I spoke with uh, Joe Trick from Poland, who's a fellow French-Canadian, who is... Yep. Uh, I guess he prefers like Eastern Europe instead of a good old local Putin, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, so no, basically he's living in uh, Poland and uh, I know we were chatting, uh, having a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, just like through the idea of just, uh, I think like put my name in the hat and uh, well, I, I guess he did and uh, I got picked. Yeah. I mean, what, what did it feel like reading that article and just... Uh seeing that it was about you, like, at this nomination, at this award? Well, uh, it, it felt quite special. Uh, I, again, and I just said it in the uh, in the article, like in the interview, uh, I'm still a newborn baby judge compared to <laughs> uh, other judges we, uh, we had the chance to work with. So um, it's always, like, fun and also quite, you know, like, hum. It's really humbling. Like, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do my best uh, on the floor. Uh, try, try, I, I just Basically, I just really try to do my best, try to make sure people are having a great time and 
like you know play, players or judges and to see that effort recognized it's always uh it's it's a good feeling then again i'm always the kind of person who like don't like don't i i don't seek to be you know in the limelight so and be you know uh, on the front of things so it, it's always also a bit like uh, out of my comfort zone, but it's a good mm-hmm. challenge as well. Like to, you know, just be more, uh, yeah, to, to, you know, that kind of exposure or, the, or that kind of thing that I actually need to, you know, interviews and even like the podcast, it's it's always a nice challenge like to, to actually, you know, go out there be, be, uh, and be maybe just a bit less sh- like shy and stuff and just open up to people. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you talked about extensively in our previous interview was, yeah, you step into an event as a new judge or a, a baby judge, as you as you call yourself, and you're working side by side with people that have 10 years, 20, 25 years of experience yep. judging card games. And it's easy to feel intimidated or that you're never, ever going to catch up to those people and their level of experience. But really, your story is quite inspirational in a way because like you said you just started with flesh and blood really you didn't have much experience with other card games but still now here you are getting all these accolades and being recognized for everything that you do like that is very inspiring yeah and hopefully it's gonna uh yeah definitely like inspire people to just you know try to do the same just go out there uh go Go to those events, go like try to knock at those doors and just try to make it happen. And just when you're there, as I said in the, in the article, like just do your best. And yeah, all those experienced people, like just be a sponge and just get like get all that information, all the knowledge you can get uh, from those events, from those judges. You never know when. Uh, you will have to, you know, put it into good use. Could it be at a local event or at, at you know, a national where actually you're being asked to be the head judge? <laughs> so, oh yeah. So, Fred, I wanted to talk about uh, Flesh and Blood in Canada. Since we last spoke in May, you were really positive about the state of the game. How do you feel about it? Like about five months later, is it still the same? Is the game shrinking? How is the you know, how's the vibe? Uh, the vibe is pretty good. I do believe we the, the game is still growing. Uh, the player bases, I do believe they are also still growing. Um, like I know, uh, you know, um, I'm not sure, maybe also in your area, like shops uh, were used to get, you know, uh, Road to Nationals or ProQuest, now no longer getting them, yep. other stores getting them. And when you look at the demographics, like, yeah, the, there there's some areas where, where there's way much more people playing or, or like armories that used to have maybe five, 10 people now, 20, 30 people. So, mm-hmm. so I think the game's growing, especially with the, uh, you know, like the, the pre-release this weekend of the bright lights and especially the round the table product, the multiplayer um, product. Uh, I know a lot of people were like waiting for that kind of like, like thing yeah. to um to be out there so they could like try the game and enjoy the game so this is going to bring also i think a lot a, a good influx of like more casual players which is like a great great thing for the game so are you privy to that kind of information about like where the uh the game is seeing the growth in players and armories and so i know you you kind of touched on that like some areas were losing um tier two events and stuff like that is that something that you're you're in contact with LSS that you get to have some information? 
No, actually, I'm not. It's basically just looking at, uh, you know, events or tournaments and just in Quebec. Uh, okay. Like, uh, there's much more, many more players in the Montreal area. Uh, there's uh, local game stores who, yeah, just didn't used to have events. Now they are hosting events and people are going out there. So it, it's really, it, it's a small sample, but gotcha. I'm pretty sure it's representative of, you know, like the, the broader uh, player base uh, all over Canada. And and also, yeah, like, um, because in Quebec City, we used to have like two ProQuest and two RTNs and now we're down to one. Uh, okay. But then like our community like didn't grow as much as maybe like the, for example, like in Montreal or in other areas. And I, I, I mean, yeah, like they... There, there, there's some places you can, there's some cities you can now play Flesh and Blood every single night of the week if you want to. So, especially like in the, in the bigger cities. Yeah, okay. I was just curious because we also suffered the same fate. We lost an event. Mm. Um, we, we got it back. But we got it back, yes. Because some people had some conversations. So yeah, f- uh, but like we had to fight for, for those, it, though, right? We yeah, had to fight for it. It mm, wasn't But yeah, but for those it's basically you have to write at like if you're a store owner or if you if you're like having question about this, uh OP at fabtcg.com is where where it happens. So uh Yeah. Okay. Um, do you know if the judge program in Canada has kept pace with the requirements of like the OP program? It did. Uh I mean a year ago, uh, at this date, there was one level two judge in Canada. Now we are ten, so just by numbers, uh, number of L twos went tenfold, which is a good, good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, like I would say, uh, for our area, like we're doing, we're doing good. Um, again, I think uh, the goal was to get. Uh, L2s in every provinces uh, and territories uh, we're missing like the Maritimes uh, again and and I think it's just a matter of having a couple like uh, L1s over there uh, yeah. just need them to have their exam done and then have someone being able to evaluate them otherwise we're feels like Saskatchewan is just like a void a or something zone. like yeah. yeah seems to be a dead zone right now for fab Otherwise, in Quebec, we have a, in Quebec we have a bunch of L2s. Ontario, we have a couple. Uh, now we have one in Manitoba. We have two in Alberta, and we have one, at least one in BC. And let me check the numbers real quick. I mean, uh, isn't Felix basically a pseudo maritime judge at this point? No, like they they have <laughs> such an amazing community out wherever I I go to Moncton. Actually, they're just starting up their second armory, and they're a city of I think one hundred fifty thousand people. Please don't quote me on that, but yeah, they seem to love the game, and I I am there for it. Which is awesome because like a yeah. city like Saskatoon, who is whatever north of three hundred thousand, close to four hundred thousand, yeah. um, barely has the game there. So that's really awesome for them out there in the Maritimes. You need to go hit up your old family, Shay. See what's up. Well, I, you know, I still talk to my friends uh, all the time, <laughs> and they go do their fab event out of town once every two weeks. Yeah, and it's like just the two of them. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to start to begin to foster that. Yeah, because uh, if people don't want to pick up the game, people don't want to pick up the game. But maybe something like an Ira Deck event. Yeah, could be yeah. a way to, to or something like it. the professor the professor product that's coming yeah. out oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just have a 
have your LGS, just <clears throat> get the uh, social kit and then just have like those kind of like a UPF event or, uh, you know, Blitz deck precon event. So, you know, uh, and, and that, that's, that's actually a thing. Like there's a couple of LGSs, like they're, you know, the diving customers, like, you know, looking at the precons uh, and asking questions about a game and like Storn is having to say, well, I mean, you can buy this, but then, oh, this one with the lady in green, like you cannot play her anymore or that big, like ICI, you cannot play this deck anymore. So people won't just buy the precon. Like I'm talking about the Briar precon and the Holden precon, like those yeah. technically, like you cannot, like the, the Holden one, you cannot even play with anymore in Blitz. Yeah even out of the box. So having an actual, and that format is supported. It's precon blitz that could just like basically have one of the precons either out of the box or a list that just replicates the exact deck list. And you can just play with that. Like no badness, no nothing. You just take out the deck, take it out, sh- uh, sleeve it up, play it. Uh, so those are great for like casual social events. Yeah. And yeah, I just look back on the numbers, and yeah, uh, we have uh, for L2s, it's uh, right now it's one in BC, two in Alberta, one in Manitoba. We have three in Ontario, and the remaining is in uh, Quebec. Okay. One final question on this topic. Do you have any, uh, sorry, what are your top concerns or projects heading into the next year as the JCR for Canada? Uh, out to the next thing is to make sure that we are ready for our first uh, bigger events. I know there's a calling coming technically at some point in 2024. I don't know where or when. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not privy to that information. So then again, just at, at least making sure we have, you know, uh, people um, re- ready for that. Um, otherwise, uh, trying to get, you know, L2s in the missing uh, areas we're missing and try maybe to grow uh, even a couple more in the, L2s in a couple more areas. Um, make sure uh, that any, any, any judge in Canada, like, willing to uh, travel, like, do the bigger events are aware of the opportunities and how accessible it can be if you can front the time and money. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for, for some people, it's a matter of time getting like off days, uh, for some people it's, uh, I, I would say like people would be surprised how you can, how easy it is to break even, uh, like traveling, uh, depending where you live, of course. Uh, yeah. but if you're close to a, like a flight hub, it can get like it can be quite affordable. Of course, you have to like to pay like uh, hotel and flight like upfront. But once you get the compensation back, uh, if you don't spend like too much on side things, uh, you 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 can you can break even at least break yeah. even or may or make it like the whole weekend gonna cost you maybe like hundred fifty bucks, like hundred fifty to a hundred bucks max. Yeah, so make it pretty reasonable. Yeah, and and you get like to be at those events, meet meet other judges, gain, gain experience, maybe get that that recommendation you need. And yeah, and that that's the I would say that, that that's the first step, like to open up those opportunities, uh, like to like get to like the those big like the big big events like pro tours and worlds abroad. Yeah, and uh, yeah, otherwise. Um, starting to think about um, uh, maybe like the, the next GCR. Uh, I think Canada is planned to have the rotation early next year, uh, I think. 
Okay. You're I was going to reapply though, right? I was going to follow up and ask you if you yeah. were going to reapply or what your plan was. It depends. Uh, if, uh, because right now there's a one, only one seat for GCRs in Canada. Uh, I'm uh, pushing and pestering a lot <laughs> of uh, people at um, LSS to, to make sure we have like at least two, like maybe split the country in two uh, right. to make it more uh, like e- easier like to, ma- to manage. Um, so I would say if, if there is two, like in say an Est-West thing, I guess, like I, I, I could see myself uh, applying again for the Eastern part, of course, mm-hmm. or if, if it's a English French thing, definitely would apply for the French part. Um, but to be honest, I, I, I would like to have someone else like, then again, take the seat just for the sake of having that, like, you know, like getting into it and getting the experience, you know? So do like you, it, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was actually going to ask you if you actually think that the size and geography of Canada is a detriment to there being only one JCR. Like I know you mentioned you'd like two. Yeah, oh, um, it is. But does it actually? Yeah, it does impact you. Yeah, it's more like uh, you know, like just uh, not just about time zones, but also to have someone like I guess more relatable or someone like closer. Uh, you can you can really too I guess uh, because in, in the states uh, it, it's split in several like parts like a couple states grouped together so um, I, I feel it's easier for me like to be able to talk with people like say in Ontario in the Maritimes like because like they they just okay it's, it's false in Ontario like it's it feels closer than you know people all the way in the west you know to BC mm-hmm. or Alberta you know. So, uh, and, and if for some reason, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm needed somewhere for f- some reason, it's easier for me like to say, okay, so I need to travel maybe like at some point to Toronto or to, uh, Moncton to see, see the folks, you know, in New Brunswick versus, okay, now I need to go all the way all over the country, like in BC for X, Y, Z. So I think it would be quite, it, it would be better like to have I have at least someone closer in the West and closer in the East to manage things. Now, I was just thinking about it too. There's yeah. always regional differences that um, somebody that's closer to the population and region yeah. has, you know, knowledge or understanding of how it is. And same with cultural differences, even just oh, across well. different yes. pro- provinces. There's, uh, you know, cultural differences even between Alberta and British Columbia, and we're adjacent to each other. Yeah. Yeah, and we, we and we won't get into the whole, you know, uh, the French Canadian and non-French Canadian yes. thing, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 still, like even that, even like, but yeah, culturally as well. Uh, like, sh- should we have like one GCR per province? I don't think so. Like, we're, we're not like that uh, big of a judge community for that. Yeah. Yet, uh, but yeah, at least having an est-west would make things like much easier to, uh, you know, even just to manage, even. If only for a cultural and time zone thing. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to talk about Canadian nationals nationals in a little bit, but you were at the Calling Las Vegas. Can you tell us about how that was for you? Uh, it was fun. It was really fun. Um, definitely helped me uh, get a few like things um, things ready for nationals. Uh, for me, like that was a uh, an opportunity like to get some like last minute uh, details and experience so, uh, 
like before Nats. So I was really looking into um, uh, where the head judges, like all of the the speeches, like the way they were like running the drafts and everything. So all of the small details, like things, um, I, I was like not sure how to run them like properly or um, like I wouldn't say perfectly, but you know, I level the okay, like those details like do matter. I need to be aware of that. And yeah, I, I could definitely pick pick up a few things uh, during uh, Vegas that it could bring back like for nationals. Do you have an example that you could share with us? Uh, or even any interesting stories that you might uh, well, that come to mind. I, let let me start with one. I love mm-hmm. um head judge of the calling um or sorry, the support judge for the calling, Amanda's um, start of round announcement. Like, calling players, welcome to round three. You have 55 minutes. You may begin. Like, I, I love that so much. Now I, I copy that. <laughs> That's just a little one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sometimes, like, you're, you're not sure how you should do, like, those announcements. And sometimes just, like, yeah, it's as simple as that. Like, just, yeah, yeah. round Very time, clean. you may begin. That's it. Done uh there's always the the round before the final standings like the the whole uh psa like you know uh you have to remind people like about concessions and like if they're not sure how to what they can say or cannot say you know they better call a judge like those kind of reminders as well yeah well you were sort of i guess trying to get some more information about what the head judges were doing were you able to actually shadow anybody or talk to one of the more seasoned judges about um, what you could improve upon or something to look out for before you were doing the Canadian Nationals head judge? For this one, I was not able to, I wasn't able to shadow a head judge. Uh, it was mostly a, like me doing my, the, like the, my, the, the things I had to do. And on the side, when I would like see, like see something or, or I knew, okay, like, so when this is going to happen, I need, I'm just going to be like, I'm going to pay attention to what's happening and just take mental notes and then write them mm-hmm. down like at some point later during my day. Okay. Um, that, that, that being said, I, uh, I was in talk with, uh, Gerard, which, uh, who was, uh, head judge for, um, uh, the, the calling at Vegas, uh, for that calling. And, uh, I did spoke with him, uh, about a few things like if, like if possible, if I could be like in the loop, um, mm-hmm. for that specific event, it was uh, not possible, but it is definitely something that like you can like ask your head judge at an event or your team lead. Like basically if there is something you would like to work on, or if there's like information you would like to gathering an event, like talk, talk to, talk with your head judge, uh, talk with your team leads. Like if they can accommodate the, like they will try the, then again, like the, as I told me, like, he wasn't able to guarantee that he would be, that he would be able to, but he would definitely like look for, look out for opportunities. And if something like would fit, then he would definitely like be aware that okay, like Fred, like isn't there, like would like to be part of X Y Z. So yeah. So it's definitely something like uh, you definitely like don't don't be afraid to ask like beforehand. Like if there's a few things or areas like that you would like to get some experience or expertise or anything like. Yeah, go ahead and ask. Like, if they can accommodate, they will. Uh, if not, it is what it is. But if they can, yeah, they will definitely definitely make sure that you get that knowledge or experience you need. Did you have a chance to enjoy Vegas, or do you have any fun Vegas stories to share with us? 
or were they so what? much fun you don't remember them? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the judging weekends are always just so busy. Uh, yep. Usually, at the end of the day, they all, the only thing I want to do is just like rest and uh, like talk with the local player, with the locals, like local players, and get some rest. That being said, the one thing though uh, that was a pleasant surprise is the quality of the food over there, like at the restaurants, like the food courts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm extremely picky when it comes to restaurants. I, I, I'm the kind of guy who, uh, if if I order a meal and like the portion, or say if I, I order something that that's like thirty five dollars, and I get my plate, and it just feels like okay, this is like not par for the price. I I I, I will return, and I will I will just say okay, no, this doesn't do. I will take something else or. I'm the kind of person who will do this. Uh, that being said, in Vegas, I was blown away how the food was actually good for the price. Like it was expensive, but it was worth it. Like I was like, oh my, there's a, and I don't remember the name, but there's an Italian restaurant at the venue we were at Westgate. And it was just amazing. It was like amazing. Everything was just so, so good. Yeah, it, it was hard not to eat very well in Vegas. So put yeah. it that way. Oh yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. I I know a lot of people have said that, or some people have said that they're sick of going to Vegas time and time again for flesh and blood. But I I want to go again. I'm oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like the like the 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 whole vibe. And then to be honest, it looks like an actual nice place. Like the geography yeah. and everything. Like uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, funny the, that you mentioned the food because, like, man, when I started going to Vegas a long time ago, food was cheap there. Like, that was kind of one of the things as to why you kind of spent time in Vegas was you could go get really good meals for cheap. I remember when my wife and I first went there, uh, we found some barbecue place like a block off of the strip, and we got uh, a steak with uh, green beans and a salad and a sixteen ounce beer, and it was like seven dollars. Wow, it was wow. crazy cheap. But I hear now that yeah, food's still good. Their portions are still ridiculous, but the prices have gone up. Yeah, but but then like I didn't felt like okay, I'm overpaying. Like okay. it, it felt on par for the course, yep. definitely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's hop into the thing that's been keeping you busy for the the past several months, and the reason why you can't party with me in Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, <laughs> your, your preparation for Canadian Nationals, so. Shay's going to ask you later specifically about the near catastrophe that you averted, but uh, mm. <laughs> I guess more generally speaking, have you had a chance to reflect on Canadian Nationals now that it's been a couple weeks? And what are your general thoughts on on how it went? Like in a nutshell, I think the event was quite a success, to be honest. I think that uh, like all of the feedback I've got so far is just positive. Um, or at least for my local players, uh, people had fun, uh, people enjoyed their weekend. Uh, overall, uh, I think everything, like, I think the, the only thing that I've heard that was like quote negative, uh, is about space. Like the, it was maybe a bit small, like for like circulating between tables was like always a bit tricky at the beginning of rounds, but otherwise, um, my feelings that like yeah, 
people were happy at the event. Uh, I know, like um, for judges, it was a really busy weekend. Uh, there was a lot. Uh, there was a lot to do, and uh, we were not as much as we should have been. Um, but still, yeah. Uh, overall, uh, positive event. I, I think the expectations were, were also pretty, uh, pretty high. Like I know, like the first two nationals were not as good as people would have uh, hoped. Um, so I'm not sure if actually expectations were actually high or maybe like the war was solo for, for was solo. Like pe- people were just expecting, okay, it's going to be the same. And then we just do better, did better. So it's, it's maybe that, but yeah, overall, I think the event was a success. Uh, we managed to get, uh, to get there f- uh, from beginning to end. Uh, the events ran quite smoothly, uh, up, up to some point. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think every, everyone did a, did a good job. Like the, the whole team, uh, also a little shout out to, um, Steven. I know you had it, uh, you had him, um, uh, earlier. Yep. So yeah, uh, it was fun working with him and his team. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think we're only going to be all proud of the, the work we've done. Uh, and hopefully this is going to set, you know, the, set the, set the, the standard, like hopefully next year, like it should be at the minimum at the same level at how it was this year. Like this, this should be like the bare minimum. Like from this point, uh, the the only I think the only direction is like like uh, onwards and upwards. Like let's try to improve uh, on what happened this year, and you know uh, whoever will be uh, taking care of it next year. Like uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully they're going to be even better than us. Yeah, well, same as you. I haven't heard too too much feedback, but what I have heard was was great. Um, except, like you said, that the room was a little small. But uh, now we know that we're going to have so many people showing up for not only the main event but the side events as well. Yeah. Um, so that that's all really positive stuff. And and that was even one of the things that Steve had addressed on our last episode was that he also wanted a bigger room, and it's something yeah. that he would work towards if he's given a second opportunity. Yeah. And I mean, Fred, you were very involved with planning though. Like I remember even seeing you in Vegas a couple times and you were pouring over the seating charts mm. for the venue and you were saying, should, should the, should the tables be horizontal or vertical? You know, we're yep. going to lose half a draft pod if we put it this way versus that way. So can you expand a little more on just your involvement in planning this event? Like basically it really started by um, like uh, I've got approached by uh, Steven to, to be the, uh, the head judge and, you know, like the also taking care of like being the judge manager, like making sure like taking care of the uh, assembling the team, helping him uh, recruit uh, people. And uh, yeah, at some point, basically I, I was just like looking over a few things uh, about the tournament and there's a few a few flags that was like okay maybe I should like raise uh, raise this flag or yeah f- from what I've seen from like those bigger events like this and that we could probably tweak a things or to like to have a smoother and better experience for the players so I basically just got in touch with uh, with uh, Steven and just basically uh, addressed him those uh, concerns and like having those also solutions like already uh, on hand. Like I, I think slowly I also kind of like started like co-toing like or actually helping him more like more closely like you know with the logistic and stuff like about the tournament like basically if there was something I was aware that okay this could be a problem 
that I would just, you know, uh, I would let him know and make sure that uh, things get adjusted or fixed uh, or that the, the information like that we would need, we would have it. So, uh, yeah, I I asked him a lot of questions. Oh, <laughs> I know yeah, I, I, uh, I yeah. definitely kept him uh, on his toes. I do believe he did appreciate actually appreciated that I was just there making sure he was on top of things. Um, but yeah, at the beginning, uh, I was not expecting this, but uh, in the end, and, and it's kind of like um, a bit part of things we, as a head judge, I guess I, I could do, especially for like in a smaller community like that. Like if basically there is experience I have or expertise and I can just, you know, have that knowledge and like just give it to the TO uh, I don't see why I, I would just be like, oh no, this is just not what I, sh- this is not my job, it's not my title, therefore I won't do a single thing. That's not the way uh, I actually also do things even at work or on a personal level. So like for me, like, okay, there's something I can definitely definitely help just by sharing information and like bringing like solution already. So yeah, I'm just going to go for it. If they take the feedback, they take it. Mm-hmm. If they don't, they don't. But actually, at least I've said my piece and I've actually gave the feedback. So, but yeah, but every time Steven was really receptive uh, about any feedback uh, or flags or anything. So yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was a great like symbiotic kind of relationship that you had because you had been to, so many of these events that were run by star city games and it's their business to run these events they do dozens of these per year so they you know what the well-oiled machine looks like and of course the expectation is not that you you know steven or any other organization in canada that only runs a couple of these big events a year to match that exactly but you can bring all those lessons and at the end of the day, that only makes the event better and it makes your life easier. Yeah, absolutely. The day of as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. So in and the weeks... We, oh, go ahead. Oh, and yeah, it would just be un, like, it would be unreasonable to expect, uh, you, know, you know, a small store, like to be able to pull out something of the, you know, level of, uh, yeah, of SCG, as you said. But there's definitely a few things like the way they do things, Oh. That you you can just take that and and just adjust it and just scale it down to your to a local level and still make it work. So, and and, and this is definitely something I I, I would say if um, if any store owner or is actually able to uh, travel a bit, I would say uh, get your L zero your L one. Go apply just to do a weekend of scorekeeping with them just to see how they do things. The yeah. the the like um like just me just by seeing how they run things like not even doing scorekeeping or being like I, on the actual like you know admin team, I could pick a few things. I can't even imagine like how much more like info or experience you could get just by actually being there and just like working with them uh, for a whole weekend, like you know getting things done the way that they do. They, they do those things and they do it so very well that yeah mm-hmm. I, I would say like if someone can afford to just to, to go there and just be a scorekeeper for a weekend work with them and try to learn I, I think it would be like really beneficial so with all the planning done as best as you could were you feeling confident going into the event that it would go well or were you really nervous waiting for something wrong to happen how how did that go I mean, uh, as with anything in life, 
you can prepare as much as you can for the unexpected, but the unexpected will and may end up happen. And when it happens, you have to just did, I would say, deal with it. So like that part was like, at some point we just, yeah, let, let's go and see what happens. Uh, the one thing though, one of my, I would say like two of my main concerns, the first one was uh, about our team. Uh, if we would at some point like spread too thin and not be able to cover everything like properly, that was my main concern. Otherwise, it was, I guess, more on a person, uh, personal level. Uh, I mean, it was still like the, the first like, okay, like big, big event that I would be head judging, which means uh, speeches, uh, calls and stuff in English, which is something I'm not that used to. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I was a bit uh, worried uh, that I would like fumble too much. And I would say once the initial speech was like going, I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm good. I got this. So, and, and also I guess like the, the, the first draft draft is always like on a logistic standpoint, it's always like kind of tricky to pull off. Like you, 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 you have to change things, put papers and distribute products. Uh, there's going to be new player drafting, so there might be issues. But yeah, I guess those were, were, were my main concern, like the, the well-being of the team throughout the, the weekend the draft portion and just like like me personally like uh, am i be able to like to pull it off and make sure like things get done like if basically like just me doing my job properly and make sure that you know my my broken english don't uh, cause like you know too much problem too much problem so that your english is fine <laughs> thanks <laughs> better than a lot of people that i hear that are native speakers <laughs> so we had steve on last week as we kind of mentioned earlier um, he touched on the round six issue at Canadian, at the Canadian Nats. Can you go into a little bit more detail and kind of explain what happened and what you had to do to fix uh, the issues? Yeah, so this part, and like, to be honest, at some point, like, I remember bits of it, but I think like on the moment, I was just so much in, I, I just switched into my like professional crisis management mode that I don't recall like everything, sure. but yeah, it was uh, the last round. Basically, we're ready to start the second draft. So I'm like, okay, all right, I'm going to look at the results and make sure. And then I realized, okay, hold on. I don't see round six in gem. I see round five. Where's, where is round six? And I'm like, okay, uh, we were running gem on two computers. I'm like, okay, um, uh, spoke with Alba, like they were our um, scorekeeper. It's not showing up on their computer as well. Somehow the, the data is no longer there. It seems to be gone. Crap. We're in, we're in like, okay, like the, the unexpected is happening. This is like worst case. Okay, this is bad. What do we do? Just just for accuracy, the words that came out of all of our mouths was not crap. It was something different, but. Uh, oh, yeah. Please continue. <laughs> Paint the correct picture. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, basically, like uh, the first thing was really like triple checking. Okay, is the data the data really just really gone? Like, is the it's not, okay? It's it's just not there. It's not salvageable. Uh, we don't have the the standing the, the standings. We don't have anything. Okay, this is bad. It was the end of the first draft. So a lot of people dropped uh, from the, from mm -hmm. that point. So just saying, okay, we're just going to say, okay, sorry, we're going to redo the round. No, it's impossible because now some people have actually left because of that specific loss. 
and it's a draft. Yeah. So they might already have got rid of their draft pool. So like the, 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 the thing was like, okay, re- redo, redoing the round is just impossible without like damaging the, the whole tournament. Uh, at Elva. I, I cannot right now I'm just thinking about it and I'm like, Oh no, no way. This is just impossible. I, I don't see how this can be fixed properly without making like people would end up unhappy, very unhappy. I have to find a way to fix this because redoing the round is just not doable. It's just mm-hmm. impossible. I'm extremely happy we didn't have to do that. But yeah, definitely a situation where, and, and actually, uh, that being said, like it, it's basically, okay, so, but when that, a situation like this happens, like what should we do? I, I, I don't think it's anywhere in policy. Um, then again, it's, I mean, what are the odds that, something like that could happen, but it's definitely something that if you're not prepared or if you have no idea uh, what to do, yeah, it, it can get pretty bad. So uh, I would be quite curious to see uh, LSS stance on this. Like if for some reason Jam screws up and there, we, we lose a round, what do we do? How do we deal with things? Uh, I, I don't think it's anywhere in policy. So, but thankfully for us, uh, we were using um, a software called PurpleFox, um, which is made maintained mainly by um, Aurélie uh, Violette. Like she, she's uh, she's from France. Uh, I do believe she's part of the um, French podcast L'Oeil de Fidia. Uh, and she's also taking care of the PurpleFox software, which basically is a tool for scorekeeper and judges to keep track of matches, tables, time, penalties. Uh, that tool is amazing. Uh, we use it for every big events. Uh, also like big magic events, they also use it. And so the way the tool works is basically you co- you basically take the data from Gem and you just copy paste it into the software like to get your pairings and results and everything. So it's basically mm-hmm. you, you take the data from Gem and you one-to-one copy paste it into PurpleFox. Thankfully, uh, we had the whole the whole round was done when uh, we lost the round, and all of the pairings were in already in Purple Fox. And thankfully, all of the results were also exported, like all of the tables where we had the data. So I did ask uh, our scorekeeper, like, okay, like the last thing they done on the computer and stuff, and it was basically you know ex- exporting data and stuff. So I was like, okay. So you haven't copied or pasted anything else since then, right? And they're like, yeah, right. Okay, please open Notepad and Control-V. And then we had all of the results, all of the data just was there in Notepad. Nice. So it was still uh, on the clipboard, so we were able to get it. Uh, it was also still in Purple Fox, but I really like wanted a backup because at this point, my main concern was, okay, we have the data. I want the data in several places just in case. Uh, and that's basically just my uh, IT background coming in. Okay, we need the we we need now just backup of that data. If we if we lose it one we can if we lose it somewhere we have to have it like available somewhere else just in case. Yeah. So we had it in Notepad. We had it uh, copied in a, a go in a Google document, uh, if I recall. Uh, just make sure to have a fallback plan. And then it was like okay, so we have all the data from Gem. Uh, now in Purple Fox and actually like just did that directly from Jamie in a notepad document. Now, what we need to do is just we're going to re- recreate the round, pair, repair everything one-to-one with what we have. Uh, then again, the data we have was from Jam, 
and then every single results also one-on-one and triple triple check every single match to make sure we actually give the proper win to the proper person so that's what that's what we did um and in the end we're just able to uh, recreate the whole round get every single pairings identical every uh results i i think in the end the only thing we might have missed is a couple drops um some people dropping that we might not have, that we i i think we didn't have the data so i know i know that it, in a couple of subsequent rounds like some people left and they were still showing up in the pairings i'm not sure if it's uh related to the the problem we had or the and i, I had a couple of players like who were curious about that it could be that it could be that they just like didn't drop properly uh, during their rounds but otherwise uh yeah as far as points and standing and everything we were good. Like there was like, uh, fortunately, there was like no mistakes. Everyone got their proper standings and uh, points for for this specific round. So, uh, so sorry, we we did the player meeting, uh, Fred, right after we input everything. So we had four pods for everyone going to the second draft, except for the last pod. Yeah. So I I think all the drops were sorted. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay, it's it, then again, it, it's it's maybe drops from like subsequent rounds after the draft. Then could be yeah, could be that. I, I, I might then again, yeah. As I said earlier, uh, just before, like uh, this part is still a bit hazy because I was yeah. just so much in just management mode. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit like you're just running on adrenaline, and then the the thing that happens over, and you don't actually quite remember what happened or what you did. You just yep. know that okay, this is now fixed. All right, good. So it was a blur for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. You you mentioned that you immediately went into crisis mode and started dealing with the problem. So it doesn't sound like you had any time to really think about too much how disastrous this could be and sort of, I guess, panic and worry about it. What advice would you have for judges or TOs that encounter a difficult situation like this in the future? Uh, first and foremost, stay calm. Uh, don't panic. Um that's the first thing. Um, like if uh, if you need help uh, from someone, like don't if you're at the dead end, don't try to fix things by yourself. Ask someone, ask someone for help or information if you need. If you do have a working solution that you know you're able to put off, um, make sure that people are aware that you have something in mind that you got this and that they they have to trust you because because sometimes. Uh, you may have a solution which might be a bit complex to explain, yeah. or or or, the, or at least explain like you know the basics. So basic. I know I remember telling Stephen, yeah. I mean, I'm gonna recreate the round. I have the data. I can do it. I'll take care of it, or something like that. Uh, that I told him, yeah. But it's it's basically yeah. Stay calm. If you do have a solution in mind, just uh, make it happen. Make sure to inform uh, your other judges, the players of the situation. If it's not something too sensitive, like you know, uh, you you may want to to wait until you know. The, we 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 talked about technical issues. Uh, there was no specific mentions of okay, we lost all of the data because people would have started to panic. Yeah. So it's it's something you can after the fact, and once everything is fixed, you can like give context. If people ask you questions, but on the moment you just say technical issues, we're working on it. And yeah, and if for some reason like you cannot seem to get to, to find a solution or have a solution, try to seek help. Other judges, TOs. In, in our case, uh, if the worst case was like okay, we lost the whole thing, 
uh, it would have been I would try I would have tried to get in touch uh, with LSS and ask them. Okay, so what's the what what's the plan? What's the policy? Like, what does mm-hmm. LSS want us to do in that situation? Like, what is the uh, what is LSS response? Like, what do I need to do to be you know to comply with what they would like us to do for that for those kind of situations? And yeah, after that, if you can try to troubleshoot or try to understand. Oh yeah, sorry, Felix, go ahead. Or, no, go. Go finish. finish okay. Um, I, w- I was about to say, uh, <laughs> of course, after that, if you can provide feedback or try to understand what happened, it's a good thing. In our case, was it because uh, we were using Gem on two computers? Maybe not because uh, I spoke with uh, other people and they are running Gem on two machines without any problems. But then again, I don't have a, an actual Gem account, so I cannot do like exhaustive, like extensive tests like I, w- I would like to do. Like the actual cause, like I, I, I would say uh, the two things though that I think that could help just avoiding those kind of situation. And then again, I'm saying that it's uh, just hypothesis. I haven't like done tests to prove like that that is the actual cause. But I know we were running Gem on two computers. When we were imputing like uh, putting results and stuff, I'm not sure if we were re- refreshing the page before doing that. So is it because, say for example, if like I have gem up and the page is as some data or it's missing something, like if I click update, will it send my state of the page I have like before it being refreshed? Uh, then again, I'm saying that I don't know how gem works. Um, it, 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 could, it could be that. Yeah. No, that's, I just want to expand on one point that, that you had, Fred, and I mean, one thing that we always tell new judges is don't rush a call, right? Like the players want something done right, mm, not yeah. done fast. There's no time pressure to make the world's fastest call. And going back to your point about communicating with players, like we we did grant some half hour breaks. Like as soon yeah. as we understood what the issue was and how much manual input it would take to recreate the round and everything, instead of setting like a super tight timeline for ourselves and saying, okay, like everyone's cranky, they want to go home, like let's get this done in five minutes and everyone sit down, we'll get the pairings out right away. We just said, okay, like everyone go for supper. You have half an hour we have to recreate everything that we need to prepare the next round pairings. Like you, you have to give yourself ample time. Like part, part of panicking is putting deadlines on yourself and just imagining that everyone wants everything done right now, but that's really not the case. And I do think that everyone appreciated getting the chance to have a break and knowing exactly yep. what the time would be when that break would end because we were able to give that time and be to be able to start promptly um, after that because we we knew what we had to do and we gave ourselves the time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I do believe we at some, I think we even gave them a second break if I remember correctly. I know we're like, okay, like 30 minutes and then, all right, yep, another uh, 30 minutes because we still need to fix uh, things but yeah definitely definitely take the time you need to fix yep. things because in the end if you try to save on time people will be much more unhappy of a like mismanaged uh, or like misfixed issue yeah then okay like we had a big break 
but then again, everything else went fine. And I had a lot of people who actually wanted the break. So like the timing was kind of good. And yeah, we, so there's a lot of people who actually were kind of like happy, like those yeah. breaks happened. At that time, they were not aware of the cause of it. But but yeah, definitely take the time you need because like trying to rush thing, like it's basically like if you, if you think on the short term and try to get things fixed quickly, it will result in much more damage on the long term and you do not want that. And for something like as critical as what we have, we need to take the time we need to, uh, to make sure things are just proper. And I wouldn't have cared if, if it would have took like two hours but for this, it's basically, yeah, sure, it's two hours now, but it's for the sake of saving the whole tournament. So this is like a very little investment for what it means and what it's going to be worth in the end. Yeah, uh, definitely some sound advice in there. Uh, slow down, take your time, find the experts that can help yeah. you with this and um, trust the process. Before we stop talking about Canadian Nationals, I noticed that the top eight of Canadian Nationals was... Uh, four players from Quebec, I think, and four players from Ontario. So I was really surprised to see that it was just a 4-4 split. Can you shed a little bit of light on the Quebec um, flesh and blood scene? Like, is this something that you uh, sort of had an expectation? I do know, like, in Quebec, we have a really good and strong, uh, we have really, like, good players, strong players. Um, even in Quebec City, uh, we might be really small uh, compared to um, uh, to the Montreal area, but uh, we we had even two people from the Quebec area, uh, Quebec City area, being in the top eight. Uh, Maxime Villeneuve, who actually made it to the finals, and uh, we also mm-hmm. had the Nicole Jamal, so two of the local Quebec City players. Of course, uh, there's a lot of uh, I, I mean. Uh, between Quebec and Montreal, like uh, we go to the events, they come to our events. So that uh, there's still like we're, we're still a bigger yeah. group. Uh, of course, like the Quebec City crew is more cl- close together, and the Montreal crew is also most most close co- together. But then again, yeah, I, I think uh, that we have like indeed we have like really strong players in, in Quebec, uh, Ontario as also a great pool of players. And then again, you, uh, you know, we had uh, Yuki uh, who uh, bubbled out ninth place. So, um, so they can, I, I yep. would say it, it's, it's quite an interesting split, but still, uh, I do believe we have all over the country, we have like strong players and, uh, also just a small side note, uh, especially about, uh, Maxim was, it's, it's not like, because, you know, a family and stuff, he's not playing that much, but he's doing a lot on, uh, Talishar. He was telling me basically his, um, his play his time to practice is basically when he's putting his kid to bed. Like it's just like jams games on Telishar while their kids mm-hmm. are, are getting sleep. And and even just by doing that, he's able to get the reps he needs to, you know, to really compete at an at a really high level and stuff. So and um so yeah. And yeah. also another side note, actually one of the our uh one of the players who went to the nationals from Quebec City was a pretty new player. I, I think it was is Second or third month into Flesh and Blood, uh, came to a route to national with a, I would say, unorthodox Phi deck. Like the deck was not optimized, uh, more relying on uh, yep. f- uh, like Rise Up and Phoenix Form and, you know, Breaking Point. And, and he actually, like, just by the surprise effect, managed to qualify. Nice. Yeah, so so even even beginners, like basically if they know their deck, even though it's not optimized, if they know how to play it, or if it's an actual meta call that no one expects, 
you can actually try to to break through and make it to uh, to qualify for a big event. So, uh, so yeah. But I I think it shows that uh, all over the country uh, we have like strong players, and that at least at the national levels, like wherever you're from, you have a chance to just make it to to, to top eight and even like you know uh, make it even high in top eight, regardless of where you're from in Canada. Like uh, so, yeah. I think it, it just so shows that yeah we have a you know, strong community, strong players. And hopefully uh, all of those folks will have a uh, good performance in Barcelona in November. Yeah, and and no one expects getting hit by Phoenix form and five draws, three cards. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one thing I wanted to say when you mentioned that was that, like, I feel like there's kind of like two ways to look at a tournament. Obviously, there's more than that, but there's the top eight yeah. and then there's like winning. And a deck that has a surprise factor might not win an event, but it might be good yeah. enough to get you into the yeah, top. Definitely. And, and I didn't know that about Maxim, like um, being a father, like with such compressed time. That's, uh, I mean, hey, yeah, very impressive. That's it's impressive. not just, uh, it's not just a game for, for kids. Yep. Dads can compete too. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you so much for the behind-the-scenes look into Canadian Nationals. Um, we're going to move on to some fun policy discussion, and we do want to get your perspective as a seasoned judge at this point. Uh, things like miss triggers and takebacks and the role of judges to step in when errors are noticed have been a very hot topic within the flesh and blood community within the last month. And here we don't cover red hot topics or, or talk about specific calls or anything, but it has cooled down a little bit. And I, I really wanted to ask you, Fred, as someone that has performed the role of coverage judge at high profile events like back in PT Baltimore, can you tell us the responsibilities for a judge to step in and intervene or pause the game if you notice something like a missed trigger or a game rules violation or something like that? Yeah, uh, usually when we are like uh, watch, watching a table, uh, either for coverage or just, you know, at the end of a, uh, end of a round, uh, the, the, the goal is like if you're on coverage is like, you know, if you can catch like any like critical uh, game rules violation, Say for example, like know, someone pays for something and it's the wrong cost, like really something that would just make the game blue screen or something like that. You know, like critical, really critical things. Uh, and for end of round, you know, it's just making sure that when time is called, uh, players have uh, made aware of it, and also just make sure like the the the, pay, uh, the pace goes well. Yeah, for co- coverage, it's it's mostly like errors and also like the pace of the game. And sometimes when you can, um, when actually you can talk and communicate with broadcast, they will actually send you information like how to uh, set up like the board state as well. But yeah, like um, you know, like related to like mistakes or errors or like triggers, uh, which was the actual you know hotter topic in the, in the past weeks. Like basi- basically, like the, the the rule of thumb, or at least my rule of thumb is. Like if something happens in the game and I would give the player a warning, I, I'm going to step in because like basically like uh, as soon as it's a game rules violation, we're going to get like we give warnings. So like if basically if I would just give the player a caution, I probably won't intervene. And then again, this is my personal outlook on it. Uh, but as soon as I something, OK, like if I would be called like I would give a warning to the player for this, 
I'm definitely going to intervene. So that that's my baseline, basically. And, and for those that are not in the know, something like a missed trigger beneficial is not a warning. It's a, a caution. Yeah. So it, it is a caution, would, but... Yeah. Yeah, and then again, it's really context dependent, and and that's the thing that changed, is like for trigger triggers and like even you know like uh up, like optional mandatory beneficial detrimental like it's my 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 understanding of it it's more and more of a like case per case by context thing um, that has the advantage of being very flexible like in the way we can fix things. The problem is it's going to be harder for the judge community as a whole to be more consistent with every single, you know, uh, situations. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I do know we, we were uh, asked and encouraged by the policy team to, uh, like, report, like, any, like, co- more complex mistriggers interaction that we, that, that we encountered, if we can just send it, uh, send the information to them so they can so uh, so at some point there they might there might there might be able to at least get a couple of guidelines or try to make sure that okay so, like some calls come back often and that's the usual fix Let, let's try to make it consistent throughout like events but yeah right. uh and, and and also we have to keep in mind like the players have to keep, to keep in mind like the whole policy about like triggers and the game state is like i mean m- my personal belief is as humans and as with every, everything else in life or even the universe, like things will always use the, the path of least resistance. So if, if as a player, you know that y- like you and your opponent are responsible for every triggers in the game, like you might be incentivized to just say, oh, I'm just going to play my things. And anyways, my opponent also had needs to remind me of this stuff. So I don't have to care, like to make as much effort as I maybe should to remember my things because like I can just put the honest on my opponent like oh yeah, like it, it's his fault I forgot my stuff and same for judges mm-hmm. because if as judges we have to keep everything like pristine as far as board state goes and even triggers then the player can be oh there's a judge sitting so I, I'm just gonna play and I don't need to care as much or be as much like mindful of my triggers because they're just gonna be there and just gonna remind me so it's kind of like to avoid those situations. And I'm not saying that people will actually like, like think this maybe out loud or, but it, sometimes it might be just subconscious, just because if that's the policy, they're going to, I'm going to see a judge. Okay. So I'm going to do my things. And oh, if I forget something or if I'm stressed during a play, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to do this. And if there's anything, the judge will stop me anyways. So I do believe that's the kind of things like um i would believe like the the rules and policy team want to avoid and this is why the policy is what it is is you like as a player are the only and sole person responsible for your own the triggers you control and that's it so like so you you don't even even on the subconscious level you cannot put that on your opponent or in a judge or anyone else and I, I do have a good example of that uh, we, that we had actually in Vegas. We we had a match where uh, we had a um, two. It was a Dromai mirror, uh, and we have one of the Dromai players had a Themai in play, and uh, they were going for attack for lethal, and their opponent started like cast uh, Sigil, Sigil of Solace, which with Themai in play they cannot play. Yeah, but the this the, is the, not the, a the trigger. It's not a mistrigger. Yeah, it is not. But it's still like it's it's an effect that the player had it in control. Yeah. yeah. 
And actually, like when when they, they were communicating, and that player was like, "Oh, okay, so you, you played, so you gained six. Like the player himself was not even aware of the thumbs, and uh, and at some point we had to step in. Oh, by the way, no, no, you cannot play this card. Uh, when we realize, oh wait, there's a Tamayan play. But even like the, the the player himself, like, I mean, was not like actually forgot his own effect. So 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 this uh, this was okay yeah. to intervene because yeah, like basically the player was not like was it's not a trigger, it's an effect in play. The player was not like legally uh, allowed to play those spells, so we stepped in. But yeah, like we're a couple of judges, and like one of them pointed, out, "Oh wait, oh wait, there, there's a Tamayan there." So um, even like the the judge at, at, at the at the table. Like at first didn't notice because yes, sometimes, and also keep in mind like as judges and as, I mean, we're still human. So even on coverage, sometimes like we may, we may miss things because uh, we need to stay focused. We need to sometimes no, not life total. So like it, it may happen that sometimes that we, and we, we may not know all of the cards by heart as well. Like we try to know as much as we can, but you know, at some point uh, we're still human. So yeah. No, this is um this is a fascinating topic, Fred. And one thing, I mean, first of all, one analogy that I like to make myself is uh, if I lock my car with the little key fob, I mean, mm. I I hit the button to lock the door. It's it's my responsibility to hear the car beep. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just the the little follow through um, or announcing triggers. Um, but j- just going back to the role of judges here. I, I talked to my wife about this whole miss trigger thing, um, specifically the the issue that that happened during uh, the the UK Nats tournament, and she was actually very surprised that judges were not required to step in and actually forbidden. Um, you know, she and and her gut reaction as someone that's not a judge is that what's a judge there for like what is the point of you if you're not there Mm. to enforce the perfect proper game state and i do sympathize with that view because i mean even recently we have guidance that says triggers like mandatory triggers are mandatory um, and some people find it difficult to square up that concept that mandatory triggers are mandatory and we should try to repair the game state to as if they went off or as if they triggered uh, hmm. with the non-intervention of judges for beneficial triggers. And I, I think that that difficulty is one of the reasons why this topic has been such a hot topic for so long because maybe people's gut reactions make them feel one way until you explain something exactly like you did that okay well if it's both players responsibility then suddenly it's my opponent's responsibility to remind me about every single thing or it's the judge's responsibility and if they miss it then you know the judge gets a penalty like yeah or but or or i i I cheat but you you do get a point like like when this happens, oh, it's not my fault; it's the judge's fault. Yeah. So, so we we become uh, accountable for those things, and yeah. like mm-hmm. uh, as much as you know, if uh, 
if, if there was a way for us to, you know, uh, be able to enforce and order rules, like exactly like an, an online client would, you know, like some of those things, like a, a mistrigger or stuff, like if you play on a, on a, another game on an online client, like it's basically a computer program. So the, the game will stop you or will enforce it. But until there is this, uh, until there's technology that make us humans, like think a hundred percent like a machine, yeah. Like it is a lot of accountability and I think it's a good thing that we do not have it f- for now because otherwise, it, and then again, that's my personal opinion, but uh, at some point, like it, it would end up deresponsibilizing the player from, you know, their own born state. And I don't think this is something good for the health of the game or any you know competitive uh, for the competitive game and for the game as a whole. So, and I always like uh, I've I've talked with people about you know like the tunic and stuff like finding ways to not forget and I'm like why are you putting so much energy into finding ways and when you can just you know just train yourself of basically you start your turn you just say tunic don't pick just say the word tick up tunic three words like four syllables that's all you yeah. need to do to avoid any problems ever every single turn take up tunic don't try to get sleep why are you spending so much energy when you can just think about saying those four words and that's it i think one of the things to this topic that we're talking about though is players knowing the difference between a beneficial trigger and a mandatory trigger and I think that's maybe some gray area why yeah. it's such a struggle yeah, to I agree. get past and this. It, it is gray. Like, uh, f- for example, uh, Briar, uh, Embodiment of Earth. Uh, it, it is a beneficial trigger. So say, for example, like I'm just going to ask the question. So you, you have a Briar player. Uh, they, atta- they, do, they have an attack. The attack hits. They should create their Embodiment of Earth. And they don't. Usually... Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, it was a beneficial... Well, the, the trigger is leads to a beneficial effect. They forget it. And, well, that's it. Like, say it's uh, it's the middle of their opponent's turn. Like, it's kind of, like, too late. But then again, what if their opponent is an Icelander player? Is that trigger now as beneficial? Because keep in mind, like, that, right. that embodiment will generate a layer at the beginning of the turn, which the Icelander player can respond. So just for embodiment of art, it's really context dependent. Like, I, personally, I would be inclined to just, you know, give a caution and, you know, they forgot. But against an Icelander player, hmm, now it's different. Because maybe they forgot or maybe they, for, they forget on, on purpose because of that specific matchup. So th- this is like now, um, I mean... Uh, Briar is uh, now a living legend. Uh, Icelander is uh, also a legend blitz, so it's not something we're going to see often. But then again, we have living legend Balharden coming in November in Barcelona. So so th- this is one interesting situation where, depending on the context, it it's a beneficial trigger that, yeah, has been forgotten. But at, at some point, like you may have or you may want to fix the game state because it is relevant in a specific matchup. Of course, I'm assuming the player, you know, just just really forgot, like assuming it's all in good faith. But of course, if you give a caution to a player and they keep forgetting, now we're getting into another territory. Um, But this is one case where, yeah, a trigger can be beneficial and can actually be 
eventually detrimental depending on the context. So this also add a layer of like of gray in that whole thing because yeah, because of context. Same same for ponder, and I know ponder is also a kind of like tricky trigger, tricky thing, tricky thing to try to fix um, when we see it happening. But yeah, I I do believe in the end like being like giving the judge enough flexibility to assess the context and fix, like just giving the latitude they need to fix things out of context. I think it's, it's a good thing for now. Like at some point, sh- should we get um, more, more specific cases or maybe then again, like, because the problem, if we start with one case, then we would have to document every single case and then it would be just unmanageable, right? So yeah. so where do we draw the line where, okay, let's have a couple of examples, but not document everything. It's, uh, yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure the guys and folks uh, working on a policy team uh, are having uh, quite interesting discussions about this, like how to make, how to, how to balance everything. And it's a really delicate balance between the policy itself between player responsibility, opponent responsibility, judge responsibility, accountability. There's so many variables and it's such a delicate balance. Have we yeah. achieved it uh, yet? I don't think. Uh, do we have like the best balance? Probably not. Uh, are we working toward it? I'm definitely sure we are. But yeah, it, it's an ongoing thing. And, and also like the players need to be conscious of that. Like we're, we're still, like even with the rules, like it's still a, a young game. There's still things that needs to be balanced out. Like the, the, the best example I take is always with magic. Like how many uh, version of the rule text of Mux Diamond was made before they add the actual final, okay, now it just works the way it should work. I think it's like f- maybe three or four iterations. Um, and even like some policies and stuff. So players like, uh, and I do understand like players want like do want consistency and want something they can rely on for, especially during like big, like high stakes event. But at the same time, like there's still like things being ironed out. There's, there's still gray areas. Like we are working on figuring out and figuring out like what is the, the best way to address this to make it like, you know, uh, to make it still fun, uh, interesting, and also manageable for everyone. Yeah, no, that's that's really really helpful, Fred. And just to close out this topic, I mean, it's it's been again a couple weeks uh, or almost a month since the precipitating incident of this whole hot topic. Have you? Do you have any tips for, let's say, judges in their local community for how they can? help educate their local players and and just explain this policy? The best I would say is what I do usually, it's I try to educate players like during armory events. When I see a misplay, when I see something, I usually like tell the player like, you know, okay, like like this happened, by the way, like we can just let it go, but keep in mind in a bigger event, like basically like share your own experience as a judge to explain the, to explain to the player, look, Look, I've I've had to deal with this in a bigger tournament. This is how I had to fix it. So please be mindful to not make that mistake because if that happens and I'm being called, this this is what I have to tell you and this is what I will have to do. You won't like it. So, you know, and, and, and just a general, you know, for mistriggers, it's always easier said than done where, you know, when you're judging and you're like being in a big event, but it's it's really like take your time take the time to communicate and that's a message we that we say at the beginning of every single big event just take your time communicate 
take the time to, to do your things properly and everything will be fine. Like, uh, it, it's a bit, as I was saying earlier, like instead of trying to figure out how, like the ways to weasel out and try to get around the rules, take that energy and put it in just having like, you know, tight gameplay and just play your turns properly and you'll be fine. You had a freebie answer in there. You could have just referred them to the IP2 oh. podcast, episode 22. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <as> well. yeah. <laughs> Clear we discuss it. <laughs> Uh, I mm-hmm. guess one more question on this topic. Have you noticed any changes in the overall mood at events based on the ongoing discussion about the missed triggers? Or Not really, to be honest. Uh, of course, like people uh, add questions. Some calls yep. uh, about missed triggers that um, I had to either uh, call or even like upload, like uh, appeal, get it with appeals and uh, just sustain uh, the judge ruling uh, that yes, the trigger was missed. Yes, in that context, it was... Uh, beneficial no we cannot repair it properly because the game has progressed way too far so it is what it is Uh i would say like some player had concerns uh but otherwise it's basically i just gave them the argument i just gave you you know about accountability and about you know putting the honest on the opponent and like in the end just you know try just trying to, to slow down and try to you know, take your time and and really and really often, like usually the players, like yeah, like in the end, yeah. I mean, it, it was on me. Like uh, I'm trying to, like they're trying to understand, but in the end, like I w- I would say most of them, especially like the the more experienced and uh, at the higher level, like like they know, like it, it, it's on them. The problem is sometimes there's like that bit of inconsistency. Like sometimes they they will forget and a judge will fix it, and then on the same event at a later round the same situation happens and then oh the judge now does something different so so i i think the main concern is more about inconsistency than the actual policy itself and then again it's it's back to the the balance i was talking about like earlier like, how, how can we you know balance all of this one final question for you mm-hmm. a little bit lighter fair uh any highlights for you this year since we last talked uh oh out to the nationals uh, I'm, I'm just going to come back to nationals and I, I actually like just big shout out to, uh, Steven at Red Riot Games, uh, Alba, um, who was our scorekeeper. Like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they were the, the MVP. They did a really, really great job helping us. Uh, the whole judge team did a, so just such a good, good work. Um, yeah, the event was successful. Also, on the side, also, actually, uh, I think we're all, uh, all really thankful that, that, uh, Aurélie put such a good piece of software with, with Purple Fox because, like, that single handedly saved our event. Like, if we would have used, if we had used anything else or no other tool that we would use just to, you know, export data from Gem. I don't even, I, I'm just like thinking of that situation and I'm getting anx- anxious. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really hope this is like uh, getting, getting a whole round deleted with no data is something I would not wish to my worst enemy. Like, to be honest, this is something I really hope it was. And also, by the way, uh, I did have a, a talk with the, the LSS, the, the team uh, on the gem side. On their side, they didn't find anything like glitchy or unusual. Uh, on their uh, on their side, so so we don't really know wh- why it happened. Uh, right now, I don't have the tools to uh, to try to replicate the issue. Uh, hopefully, it's just a uh, you know just a, a one thing, a bit flip. So something happened that will just never happen again. Hopefully, it's going to remain that way. 
but yeah, uh, I would say the highlight is definitely the, the national. So it was a great event. Uh, I'm proud of the whole judge team. Everyone just did such great work. Uh, so shout out to them. Little shout out to um, Steven at Red Riot also. Um, it was really fun working with him. Uh, I'm really thankful he was able to put, just put up with me. Then again, having me pestering him with uh, requests and questions. Uh, I knew in the end, he knew it was just, uh, I was just caring about the well-being of the event and I was just bringing like uh, things that would just improve the event. Uh, I hope it did. Yeah, so yeah, so definitely my, my highlight. Uh, uh, on a personal level, I am looking forward, uh, of course, um, uh, Dallas, uh, calling over there, um, and Barcelona. Barcelona is, is going to be great, great experience. Um, I will actually be able also to compete at some point during, uh, during the weekend. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, because on one side, uh, it's on Sunday. There's the uh, the first Living Legend for classic constructed event which is going to be a battle harden yeah. which i'm really tempted to to go because uh Benital, Fi with stubby hammers it's oh, just yeah. so fun to play <laughs> gonna blow people up <laughs> yeah and then again yeah. there's a upf event where and i'm also a big uh, fan of upf i'm super excited for friday getting my hands on the new product so this is something I'm I would like to also do. So I, I I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet, but uh, Barcelona is gonna be something I'm looking forward to right now. It's gonna be really really fun. Yeah, can't wait to hear all about it. I I have one final question. Are are you excited mm-hmm. to be a pirate in Final Fantasy fourteen and have a vacation? <laughs> uh, hold on, what do you mean? Uh, have I missed something? No, it's but it has to be a pirate. You have to be able to. Play oh oh, you mean the new class? Yeah. Oh, for oh, for down, um, for down trail. You know, um, if they if they do pirate, I I do hope and I I'm expecting they will uh, be inspired from the Corsair class from Final Fantasy XI. Okay. Which 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 was a range kind of support e like basically. There's a bit of astrologian uh, for those who play uh, FF14. Like, there's an effect of randomness in that class. And uh, Corsair or Pyrrhal, like, the Corsair was basically the gambler class. Mm. You would just generate random effects to boost your party. And if you would, you know, a bit like in Blackjack, if you just try to be get greedy, you may just bust and then you get your whole... Uh, your whole team debuffed instead. So, uh, so I'm not sure if they're going to go that route. But a kind of like... Magic, physical, range, something could be interesting. But yeah, as speaking of 14, uh, I do believe the last patch is coming out next week. Well, at least the patch that will close the story for um, Endwalker. And as an avid Final Fantasy IV fan and knowing what's coming next week to close that whole story arc, I'm super excited. All right. Well, we'll need to look forward to that. Oh yeah, and, and actually, actually, we should uh, like. Oh wait, uh, as, assuming uh, you know, there's no one skipping cutscenes. We should do this together. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's connect after. And oh Fred yeah, definitely. I, let's make a pact. Nobody's allowed to skip cutscenes. It's, it's, it's a tough one. My my wife skips every cutscene. It's across the bed. Unplug your keyboard. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us once again, Fred. Uh, it's it's always a ton of fun. Um, and could you remind people if they want to get in touch with you, if they have any questions uh, about judging or JCR stuff, um, 
I guess, is there an official way to get in touch with you? And also personally, is there a way you want to be um, people to get in touch with you or do you prefer to be more private? Oh, no, no. I would say that the best way to get in touch with me would be through uh, the, through Discord. Uh, my handle is Arvlad by Fred or otherwise um, it would be on through my Judge Hub profile. Uh, there you have my email and my uh, Discord handle. So if you want to get, get in touch with me, I would say uh, go in Judge Hub. Maybe uh, the link might be uh, below as, uh, as of right now. Um, yeah, uh, just drop me an email, drop me a message on Discord if you have uh, any questions related to uh, judge-related things or, you know, if you just want to have a chat, talk about flesh and blood or gaming in general, you know, uh, I'm always uh, up to, uh, down to talk with people. And awesome. uh, yeah, and thanks for uh, having me again. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have the chance to talk again soon. Absolutely, Fred. And you can catch us on YouTube, IP2 Podcast, on Twitter, IP2 Podcast, and on Mastodon, IP2 Podcast at Wraith.social. Thank you. While Fred looks at the numbers for any listeners that are not from Canada, Saskatchewan is an interesting place. <laughs> Shay's, Shay's from Saskatchewan. It's also in the middle of the country. Yes. That's like literally, literally in the middle. <laughs> yeah. yeah.